Hey, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us, that our world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast will be a collection of interviews, friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope you leave with a boost and find your good news. So I could not be more excited to have our next guest on, Gina Seminary. She's from New York, received her bachelor's in business administration, and she's been with Northwestern Mutual as a wealth management advisor for over 16 years, during which she started her business in D.C., and relocated back to Rochester to continue growing her business and raise her family. And she then formed the Seminary Financial Group. She is my financial guru, who's honestly credited with thinking outside of the box. She runs her own business on four days a week and actively builds a team of financial advisor as a growth and development director. She really plants those seeds and helps others grow. She's a member of the Victor Chamber of Commerce, a treasurer of local dress for success affiliate, the vice president on the inaugural Northwestern Mutuals Women's Field Association, say that three times fast. And these roles really help her grow uh, professionally and personally. And, you know, she values faith, family, passion, optimism, health, integrity, and really exudes those values. And I cannot wait for you to learn more um, she, outside of work, I have to note this, um, she loves yoga, spinning, and creating memories with her children, Gianna and Dominic, while residing in Victor, New York. So without further ado, my interview with Gina Seminary. All right, episode three, here we go. I am so excited that Gina is joining me today. Uh, Gina and I have been working together personally for, what, nearly two years now, I know I just read her bio, so I know we're just going to dive into it. And I always like to begin by asking my guests, what is your good news today, Gina? Does it have to be just today? It doesn't have to be just today. And I think it just kind of helps start off the conversation. So it can be personal. It can be about work. It can be about life, whatever you want it to be. Oh, man. And I love focusing on this. So you guys don't, well, maybe you do in my bio, but I have two kids and every night during dinner, I always ask them about what are some two things that were good that happened today. Um, and sometimes my son's so pathetic. He's like, well, you made this awesome dinner. I was like, you said <laughs> that yesterday and I ordered pizza. <laughs> I'm like, So I'm going to need a little bit more from you. So that's neither here nor there, but I have two, one personal and one professional. The personal one is just before we started recording, I found out that I can go pick up my new Tesla. So I am getting a new car. And I ordered, I ordered this back in April and I'm so glad I did because it clearly took forever to get it. Ah. And they called me last week and were like, Hey, you've got like a VIN number. We'll reach out to you in a week or so. You can schedule time to pick it up. And I literally just got that before. So that's kind of exciting to me. That's exciting. On the professional side though, about two weeks ago, I was nominated the vice president of the inaugural women's Field Association at Northwestern Mutual. So to take a very quick step back, um, Northwestern Mutual has been around since 1857. Most companies have been male dominated and there are different associations inside of Northwestern Mutual that represent different entities. So 
If you're a managing partner, then you could be part of the managing partner association. If you're a managing director, you could be part of the managing director association. And there's also one for financial advisors as a whole, right? Whether you're male or female. Um, But last year during the pandemic, um, a group of women, including myself, got together and kicked off and really formed a women's association. And ours is a little different in that it's not just for women advisors. If you're a staff, if you're a recruiter, if you're the CFO, it, like it doesn't matter what your title is. If you're a female, yeah, you it's a part of the process. Yeah. Yes. You're in it. And then I had to go through this interview process and I was selected to be the vice president, which means in three years, I'll be the president, which is huge because you're meeting with Tina. the president of Northwestern Mutual, right? Like you're, you're That's in so awesome. on it representing all of the women coast to coast. So I was pumped to find out about that too. So I've got a little bit of good news. I think that's great. And I think it like really shows how well-respected you are within Northwestern Mutual and all of the, all the advice that you've given me has always been top-notch. So I know today everyone's going to be excited to hear more about what you have to say. Oh, thanks. Uh, So, you know, the first question, and I talked to a lot of my friends about this is financial health. You know, we talk a lot about our physical health I think mental health is something we're starting as a country really to start talking more about, but financial health is still kind of one of those areas that it's like taboo. It's like, we don't want to talk about it. So for you, what does financial health even mean? You know, how do we kind of demystify that fear that a lot of us have around money? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is just realizing it's a part of being human, right? I think for a lot of people, and, and a lot of times when I'm working with people, I'll ask like, what did your parents teach you about money? And how was their financial situation? Because for better or for worse, we're either going to gravitate towards it because we liked what we saw or completely against it because we didn't like it. But for me as an advisor to kind of know, like, what was your upbringing upbringing, and and what did you see and and how did it feel to you is huge because that's going to kind of dictate how you psychologically deal with money moving forward, right? So I think sometimes like financial health to me means kind of getting in the game, right? It doesn't mean you need to spend five hours a day looking at your money. But if you can spend a little bit of time each day and just being mindful of where it goes and what it's doing and what it can do for you, I think makes a huge difference. And that's one of the things that I do with my reviews with my clients is like slowing them down, right? Because we are so busy doing so many other things and finances isn't for most people, something they love talking about and love looking at. So they kind of put it like at the back burner so far back, like it never oh, gets touched. Very back burner. When I came yes. to it, I was like, oh, here we go. I know, but but that's part of it. It's like kind of getting a little naked in you know, the financial sense of the term to be like, here's what I have and I want some help, right? Yeah. Because there is a lot that people accumulate, especially over time. And it actually gets a little bit more tricky for people to do it themselves. And it takes a lot of time. So from financial health, I mean, honestly, it's as basic as like, be mindful of it and start looking at it. The funny thing is, is Northwestern Mutual came out with a wellness score a few years ago. They actually got rid of it because we couldn't really determine what dictated the score. But almost to your point, like there's a credit score, like there's the BMI, like there's all these other scores that you can kind of track kind of how you are. So we came up with one and we used it for a little while. And then we were like, eh, this isn't really know. getting to the, yeah, we need to take this back off and like revamp it. But I, I'm, I've heard that we're trying to like create that again, to your point though, like, can it give me a quick snapshot of how am I doing? But then I always feel like a number doesn't really tell the story. So like, even with a BMI, it's like, great. So here's your BMI, but what does it really mean? Yeah. 
I think it's interesting because I, I imagine, and you talked about this earlier, the feeling of money and how you, how you relate to money that if you see the score and it's like, you know, red or it like has a color or a low number, you're like, oh, I, I can't even do anything. I can't even fix it. And feels kind of like you're tumbling down the world, the world. And you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to worry about it, but you need to be thinking about it no matter where you're at in your life. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like the carrot or the stick, right? Because I have some clients, if they saw a low score, they'd be like, that's it. I can change it. Right. <laughs> right. Like I, I can do this. Like that's right. Bring it on. Right. But then to your point, other people I would be would like, take What's the, the exact, yeah. <laughs> What's the point? Right. And like I tell everybody forward moving progress is key. I'm not looking for us to run a marathon, but if every time we talk, we can be making a little bit more progress whether it is on saving more, whether it is on your insurance planning, whether it is on paying down debt, whether it is understanding what you have, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. But unfortunately, we graduate school and get jobs and no one really educates us on all of the things that we're supposed to know when it comes to personal money management. So for a lot of people, it doesn't matter when I start engaging with them. It's like, I'm taking a lot of steps back because I really want to understand, okay, how did you get these accounts? How did you feel about it? What did your parents teach you? What did they not teach you? What have you been doing or have you been doing anything, right? To kind of figure out where am I starting from to then build a plan for them. Build a strong foundation. And I think that that's an interesting point too, is the idea of when do you get a financial planner? I think I had this idea before I even started working with you that you needed to have X number of assets or you needed to be in this position What do you say to someone who's thinking, I need to be 40 years old before I start financial planning? You know, when do you think it's important that people start talking to somebody like yourself? As soon as they start making money. (laughs) I know it's like my youngest client is 19 right now. She's in college, but she has a, she has an internship that is paying her. And she wanted to make sure that, you know, some of it she's using to pay down her student loans, but she wanted to make sure she was smart with the rest of it because she thought she was just going to like splurge it on stuff. Right. So she's a daughter of one of my clients. That's not normal. Most of like myself at 19, I was drinking the money that I made, right? (laughs) Like I was going out and living life. It was beer money. (laughs) But yes, but as soon as you have a sustained career, right? Like when you are earning income on a consistent basis, you should be doing financial planning. Now there are different levels of financial planning, right? You know, a lot of times when people get together with me and we're starting to talk, it's like, okay, Do we need to do consolidation of debt? How much should they be saving versus spending, right? We go through a lot of the basics. Yeah. And that can happen at any age and with any amount of assets. Then we start getting into layering on, okay, what do you currently have? Do you have old retirement accounts? Do you have investment accounts? Do we need to consolidate them? Do we need to reallocate them, right? So it kind of builds over time. I personally, with my business, I do not have a clip level of which... People need to like some some of my colleagues. Well, you need to be a certain amount of you need to be a certain age, or you need to have a certain income, or you need to have a certain amount of net worth before they will work with you. So there is that element to my the, okay. That's not me because I feel like if that were to be the case, there'd be a lot of people that might never get to those metrics unless it's like an age, right? Like if you, yeah. you need to be above forty, right? Well, okay, check. Well, I check that box, right? Exactly, but that doesn't mean that I have any of the other elements that they might be looking for, right? So when I started my business, I specifically wanted to work with everybody. And that meant not having limits, not having boxes for people to fit into, not 
um, turning people away because I feel like everybody needs help. Like in, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like it's fair for me to judge where you're starting from. It doesn't matter where you're starting from. As long as we just keep moving forward, then I'm helping you accomplish your goal, which is to be in a better financial position at the end of the day. Well, and I think what I've loved so much learning from you is that you ask us kind of what our goals are and then starts to find things that would help support that versus I've heard horror stories of people going in and being like, you need to do this, or you need to pay down all of this debt before you do X or, mm-hmm. and I think it's really great that you have a vision of taking the basics and figuring out, okay, what's their goal? How do I support that goal? Now, uh, when we think about financial though, we think about, you know, credit card debt, student loan debt, you know, budgeting. What are things that people could think about now that kind of take baby steps in getting them in a position to be more successful with money? Is it writing everything down, like you said, and kind of being naked with your money? I think we got to meet everybody where they're at, right? For some people writing things down, they'd be like, well, I'm not going to do that. And I'd already turn them off, right? Some people are very tech savvy, right? So they want an app that pulls it all together, right? So there's the Mint app. Northwestern Mutual has an app that is not only for our clients, it could be for anybody that you can pull all your accounts together in. But one of the things that I tell my clients is like at least once or twice a year, you got to do a kind of colonoscopy of your finances. Where is everything? Where is it going? How is it invested? Where is it managed, right? Like how much do I have in savings? And like, just kind of make sure that you pull it all together, right? For me, I usually do it around my birthday, right? Just because I know that date always comes, right? Like, so I kind of try and remember. (laughs) Yeah, it's something to remember. If not, I usually do it at the end of the year, right? Because that's when you're getting your year-end statements and stuff. And and I'm a big planner just in my own life outside of the financial side. So it's like, that's what I'm usually planning for the next year. Yeah. And many times my, my goals include financial goals, right? Like, so setting yourself little financial goals might be huge, right? If for some reason you're not working with an advisor or someone who's helping you in this space, set yourself little goals, right? So by this time next year, I want to X, right? And write them down and stay focused on it. But I think that's where working with, you know, an advisor who is doing it kind of the way that you mentioned, right? I am a a goal-based advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have found that people are more motivated to stay on task, if I can tie it to something they want, <laughs> yeah, right, or something they're afraid of, right? So I got to go with either. And that's why a lot of times when we talk, we start talking about the goals, like what are your goals this year or next year? Like, what do we need to do to get that goal? And then I tie that strategy to it. So if for whatever reason, you're not working with someone who does that, or you don't want to work with someone, period, do it to yourself, but keep yourself accountable. And I think that's where I come in for you, is when we do these reviews, it's like, okay, like, and, and I'm never bad <laughs> the mom, truth. No, right. I get it. Life happens. I'm a big fan of like spending stuff too, but it's just like, everybody has a bucket, right. And let's just make sure you're saving what you need to. And, and we know where everything's going and then go ahead and spend the rest. I don't really care how you do it, but as long as there's that balance, that's, that's the key element. I think it's hard though, because you kind of, I keep coming back to this and maybe this is my own issues, but the feelings tied to money is that you feel like, how do you, how do you kind of take D-link the feeling to actually getting to the goals? So, you know, if you kind of want to go on that trip, how do you not feel bad about like, well, you're not going to another goal? Do you have to kind of talk to your clients about, you can have multiple goals in an area. You can have a savings goal, but you can also have 
a fun savings. You know, I'd love to kind of talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, so once, you know, I figure out for my clients how much they should be saving, right? We try and figure out where it should go, right? And that's why the sooner you start, the better, right? So this client of mine who's 19, I basically told her, you got to start an emergency fund and save for retirement, right? Okay. So if she can do that, by the time she meets with me and has a full-time job, she will already have the emergency fund taken care of. So that's going to be a bucket we don't need to fill. So when I meet with people and we figure out how much do they save, yeah, sometimes let's just say it's $1,000 a month. We're not going to put it all into one place. We might put some into one bucket, some into another bucket. So we could split it out, right? Got it. Depending on what your goals are and depending on when you want them, right? You know, as of late, a lot of people are like, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house now. I was like, okay, <laughs> you're not giving me a lot of time to work with. But if that's if it is a short time frame, then we're going to put the majority of whatever they can save towards that. Towards that goal. Once that goal is done, then we switch it to another goal, right? So, but some underlying goals you should always be saving for. You should always be saving for retirement. You know, starting that as soon as you possibly can is huge. It takes forever. It but also really there's there's compounding growth. So money growing on top of money, growing on top of money is huge. So the younger you can start, the better off you're going to be. And there's different ways to plan for retirement. Sometimes there's some inside of your employer, there's some outside of your employer, there's different vehicles you can use to get the job done, but consistently doing that's huge. Yeah. And you talked about an emergency fund. I think when I came in, I was like, I needed what, six or nine months. And I felt like that was like so overwhelming. How do you plan for someone's emergency fund? Do you take it based on kind of what they're making or is it based on what their needs are? You know, I'd love to talk more because I think there's a lot of confusion on how do I actually prepare? And I know this is a broad question, so take it as Um, you can. Yeah, no, I'll do my best. So usually for emergency funds, we want anywhere between three to 12 months of expenses. Okay. Not your lifestyle. (laughs) If all hell's breaking loose, hopefully you're going to pivot your lifestyle just to scotch, right? (laughs) So it's really just of your expenses. Okay. Now, three to 12 months is a very broad timeframe. But what we tend to suggest is that if it's like just you and you're the single something, then maybe three to six months is three to six months is fine. If you're married with an expanding family and kids, then you're more of the six to 12 months, right? Got because it. now you've got more skin in the game, literally other people's skin that if something were to happen, you've got to provide yeah. for. So the three to 12 months is there. But when I work with my clients, again, that's the point. I will find out exactly how much we want for them based on their expenses, their income, their current status of life. So we go through all of that. Um, but the general theory is three to 12. And when you say buckets, so there would be like an emergency bucket and then a savings bucket and then a fun bucket. Like, how do you, I mean, I think when I first came to you, I was like, I have savings. And you're like, okay, cool. What does that mean for you? And I was like, I have savings. (laughs) So I think a lot of people just have a savings account, one savings account. And they're like, I'm good. Right. What's the value in kind of having different buckets and, and, and making sure you're saving in different ways? Well, I think that's kind of evolved. We are in a low interest rate environment right now. And what that means is that saving in a bank right now is not necessarily the most beneficial place to keep money for certain purposes, right? Most banks are giving less than 1% right now. Inflation is at about 25 to 3%, which means to live the same type of lifestyle you have right now next year is going to the things you purchase are going to increase by about two and a half to 3%. 
Well, if that's the case and you have all your money in a bank that's getting you less than 1%, you're not so meeting it. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying you don't want to have money in a bank. We've just talked about it. We do. But there used to be a point in time, I've been doing this for 16 years, I'd say about 10 years ago when I loved when people had a ton of money in a bank because they were giving great interest rates. Or like I remember managing my savings account and my I was getting like $150 of interest a month. And I was like, Bing! <laughs> like, I love life, right? So I would allow people to have more in there. But now what we do is we figure out, okay, what's your emergency fund amount? Like, do you need 20,000? Perfect. Let's get it there. And then let's start putting it elsewhere. Could we put it in a mutual fund? Do we put it to retirement? Do you, you know, do we create another savings account because you do want to buy something in the next year that really maybe shouldn't be in the market? So we create, but we have a separate one, right? So I'm notorious for having multiple different bank accounts. I don't have a ton of money in there, but like I've got my emergency fund, then I have a travel fund, then I've got a kid's account for all their expenses, right? I just had a car fund to save for my Tesla, but it's like a less than a one-year goal. So I was putting money, but each account had a title. I'm very um, into kind of mind over matter. Like what you see is what you should spend it on. So, and I try and advise that to my clients too, right? Like if we're saving for a house, I tell them create a savings account for the house if it's short-term and we're not going to invest it and literally create the account on your bank to say house and then right? and your emergency like, fund should say emergency fund, right? Like all of mine are appropriately labeled and I've trained myself. And that's what I try and do with my clients is like, don't take the money out of the bucket. Yeah. Don't t- yeah. yeah right? Don't touch it when but it's the appropriate time. I don't understand. Sometimes people are like, yeah, no, I've got maybe to your point, I've got a savings account. And I'm like, well, what are you saving for? And they're like, oh, well in here, I've got my emergency fund, my house fund, <laughs> my next car fund and my wedding fund. And I was like, Oh, like, so I will literally take that person and go break it out. Yeah. You can create as many savings accounts you want nowadays. So break them out, put the amounts that should be in there, label them accordingly. So we can actually get a handle of, okay, how much would you really save on these or spend on these things? Yeah. I think I need to go back and do that. So that's, that's, <laughs> my, set up our next review. <laughs> that's my friendly reminder to do this as well. Guys take the own advice we talked a lot about different terms. And I think when we first started, I was telling you, I was reading this broke millennial book. Are there resources that you suggest are good um, when people are starting out or is that too much information? Where do you kind of land on financial? I think it used to be called financial literacy. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like I was given pamphlets in high school and was like, here's how to budget. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that this is going to be helpful, but I appreciate it. So where do you come down on resources? Are there resources you suggest? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of information out there. I mean, we're in the information world. So you could type in anything into Google and 800 people are going to tell you exactly their thoughts. I caution people sometimes. There's a lot of great stuff out there. And there are a lot of great books. You know, there's a lot of great websites. Take it all with a grain of salt, right? Because the websites, the blog posts, the podcasts, the books, even the news articles, they're they're talking to the masses, right? They don't have Catherine Getty in mind. They have everybody in mind. So they're talking to people who are maybe unemployed and talking to people that are making millions of dollars, right? And I find that some of my clients on both ends of that spectrum take the advice when it's not necessarily applicable to them. So just take it with a grain of salt, some general theories. But you know, I love when people are like, oh my God, I'm not doing X because this person told me never to do it. And I was like, huh? (laughs) Right. So we just dive into a little bit more. I think 
working with someone who will talk with you specifically about your situation, where your goals are, where you want to go, your age in life will help figure out specifically for you, which of that advice you should take. And I'm sure that there are lots of elements of truth in there and then all of it might be truthful, but to the extent that you want to use it at that point in your life might be different. And I think it's, I sometimes when I was reading it, found it all to be a lot of noise. I was like, this is all a lot of information. And I'm like, I don't know how to apply everything at once. So then you cherry pick things and I might not be cherry picking the right things to be applied to like my situation. So I think it's helpful to say, okay, I learned this, Gina, what do you think would this apply to me? Or should I take this into consideration when I'm thinking about my 401k or thinking about stocks or whatever it may be? Well, and I think too, a lot of the stuff that they recommend um, is valuable, but it requires consistent maintenance, right? So like for a lot of those things to work, you need someone to keep you accountable, whether it's you or me or whatever it's going to be, but there needs to be consistency, right? Consistent forward moving process, you know, progress. So, and that's the thing I do find that, you know, sometimes my clients are like, oh my God, I read this book and they said X and I'm like, I love it. And they're like, yeah, I did it once. I was like, I don't love it anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> now I don't love it so much. <laughs> Just finances in general are really difficult, right? Like, really and it's difficult. the same thing. Like, we don't self-diagnose medical issues. No. You go to a doctor once a year. And not only that, you have multiple different ones. So you've got yeah. the dentist and the, you know, the OB. Like, there's all these different doctors we have because they all have their specialties. Just to make sure you're doing the right thing and to kind of realign you if something's wrong. It is the same thing with your financial well-being. Well, I think that kind of how we started was like, there's been for such a long time emphasis on physical health and now we're getting to mental health. And I hope that financial health is kind of the next wave of things that people focus on. We'll see what happens. But I mean, I think if we've learned nothing from the last year is being prepared for whatever is going to happen. If it's, oh yeah, I mean, I think it's been a kind of scary time for a lot of people. So are there other things that you want to share? You know, I think my last kind of little nugget is it doesn't have to be like a root canal. I tell my clients always like, and I hope you feel this when I work with you, like I try and make it fun because I put myself in their shoes. We're probably talking about a topic that they would love at all costs to avoid. Yes. They might have some very negative emotional ties to it. And here I am being like, hey, like, let's tear off the Band-Aid and have some fun, right? But I also like, I want my clients when I call them and they see my name to pop up, maybe not to scream with joy, but not to dread it, right? And not to be like, oh my God, what does she want, right? Like I try and make it fun. I don't feel like this topic needs to be either or like we can make it fun. We can get things done. You know, I, I think trying to dispel some of the aggressive nature of this topic, I think it needs like a facelift, right? So to your point, right? Like this whole money management and financial planning needs a little bit of a facelift. And I think it's going through a little bit of an evolution, but I'm hoping along the way, people are going to jump on board, right? Because it's only going to get a facelift if people like you do it and talk to other people. Yep. Right. And kind of like, so it's like, you need more masses for us to be like, Hey, to your point that people are like, well, don't you need to have a certain amount of money? Well, okay. Yeah. Always. Right. Well, and I think it's finding the right person. You know, when I was introduced to you, I was like, Ooh, I'm nervous. Like there's a lot of things about money that I don't, I'm like wringing my hands as I talk about that first experience. But to your point, once you kind of get the understandings and the bearings of it, you're like, it's Gina time again. We're about to like talk about my goals. Like 
it should be exciting that we're in a place that we're able to kind of plan and ensure that worst case scenario is taken care of, that trip to abroad is taken care of, you know, paying down student debt is what yep. one day be taken care of. And well, isn't scary. Well, and I tell people too, like if you're working with me, then I really want two to three hours out of your year. And we're going to make sure you're on board, which means yeah. if you don't think of it in between there, I'm not all that upset. And if I need you to think about it, I'm going to reach out to you going, Hey, you need to think about something. Right. Yeah. But it kind of gives them the license to be lazy a little bit, like manage it. Don't overspend. Like I'm going to yeah. give you boundaries. I give you guardrails right here's where we need to be. And here's what I expect from you. But if you're working with someone who is doing regular reviews, it, and hopefully they, you kind of have that license. Exactly. Have a little bit, have a little bit of fun with some stuff and don't stress out about it every Sunday. Like maybe the person who is doing it themselves. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think as many times as I can tell someone and try to get them convinced, I'm like, my financial planner is the coolest person ever. So you should really take the time to talk to her. Oh, I don't know. But if you keep saying it, it's like, maybe we'll get people there. And so my hope is that this episode makes some light bulbs go off, maybe makes them feel like, okay, this isn't bad news. This will be good news to talk to somebody about this and plan for the future and get excited about it. Definitely. Like I said, facelift. Yes. Well, where can people find you on social media or if they want to work with you, how can they find you? And I'll also be putting this in the show notes as well. So people can click on it and can find you there. Perfect. Yes. So I have a website, ginaseminary.com. That's probably the best place to go. And you can contact me right off of that. Perfect. If you're dying to see my life, you can follow me on Instagram. So you're going to get fun stuff on there. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's the other thing too. Like I don't, I guess that's another element to just me and my business is like my business is my life and my life is my business, right? So my yeah. kids are on my Instagram and my clients are on my Instagram, <laughs> right? Like I just, like me. <laughs> exactly. But that's what makes it fun, right? It and I can see you, right? So yeah. I don't, I am not like just the financial advisor. Some of my clients are some of my best friends, right? And and I've seen them before they were single and then they got married and then they had kids. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an awesome evolution if yeah. done correctly. So if you're dying to see a little bit of that, funness that I try and have. You can check me out on Instagram too. It's still Gina Seminary. Keep it very basic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nice. It's nice that it's, you know, so easy. Well, I just want to thank you again so much for taking the time. And we, I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you a little bit more about financial health. What should people be thinking about how to make money fun again? And maybe we can talk more sometime about the facelift of financial planners. Cause I, I agree. I think it's fun and it should be looked at it. I would love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gina. I really enjoyed getting to learn from Gina. I feel like every time I have a conversation with her, something kind of gets a little bit brighter when it comes to financial health. And I hope you enjoyed it as as much as I did. If you did, like, share, subscribe, and join us back next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.